Welcome to Contagious Thinking, the podcast from the MRC University of Glasgow Centre for Virus Research. I'm Elena Sagru, a postdoc at the CVR and your host for this episode. In this episode, we're welcoming Dr. Rachel Edgar, a Welcome Sir Henry Dale Fellow at Imperial College, who came to Glasgow earlier this year to give a seminar. In this episode, Rachel speaks with PhD student Jack Hurst and I about how the circadian clock of a host can affect viral infection and how viruses can exploit our body clocks to aid their replication and spread. So hi everyone, I'm Jack, I'm a PhD student working on influenza virus. Hi, I'm Elena, I'm a postdoc working on HIV. Hi, I'm Rachel, um, I'm a PI and I work on uh, circadian rhythms and virus infections. Yes, it's a very exciting topic. It's also cell <laughs> biology, so I'm on firmer ground with it than I normally am for these. Um, so before we get into what you're currently working on, can you give us uh, an overview of where, where you started out, where you did your training and how you got to where you are now? Uh, sure, I'm uh, actually from Northern Ireland, which you would never guess from my accent. <laughs> I'm from Yorkshire, believe it or not. <laughs> Are you really? Goodness. No, well, you're from Scotland, right? You have New Zealand. New Zealand. Close. <laughs> I can't tell with anybody's accents. Uh, I'm so useless. Yeah, so I'm from Northern Ireland. Um, I've, I've moved around and lived in many different countries. Um, I settled in Cambridge and did my degree there, my PhD there my postdocs there wow. <laughs> and I still live there but I now work um, at Imperial College London. Okay. Uh, so what were you working on for your uh, PhD? Uh, I was working on uh, herpes viruses, um, mirrored herpes virus 4 mainly okay. which is a mouse model pathogen mm-hmm. and I was looking at uh, factors that affect how it spreads between cells. Oh, that's cool, okay and your postdocs on the similar topic? Or no, my postdoc uh, well, I, I kind of made the switch. I was interested in circadian rhythms, and I had mm-hmm. some. Uh, we had some preliminary data from the end of my PhD. I had this inkling that there was mm-hmm. uh, there was a time of day effect um, on the sure. kinetics of virus replication, mm-hmm. and I did this little test with a with a good friend and colleague of mine, Akredi, back in the day, and another colleague called John O'Neill, and mm-hmm. we did a little trial, and it turned out there was an effect in cells uh, mm-hmm. of the time of infection on replication, and so we took it from there really. So my postdoc then moved into circadian rhythms and mm-hmm. how uh, the, the, the cellular mechanism of those rhythms. Mm-hmm. So molecularly, how does each cell in the body keep track of time? Mm-hmm. And then after we looked at that, then it was how does the virus interact with the circadian clock and how does it affect replication in cells? And then uh, how disease is generated in mice. So um, maybe before we get into the details of that, it's probably best just to find what do we actually mean when we talk about circadian rhythm? (laughs) So we mean a approximately 24 hour uh, rhythm in uh, our behavior, our physiology, our metabolism, our uh, cell biology, protein activity. um, And uh, they are driven by an internal timekeeping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are self-sustaining uh, in the absence of any external timing cues, uh, but they can be entrained to exactly 24 hours by uh, cues such as, you know, temperature, light, feeding time I- mm-hmm. in the animals. Yeah. So when I think about sort of 24-hour cycles, I mostly can imagine how it would affect like your brain when how sleepy you're feeling and mm-hmm. like your digestive system for um, what times of the day you're feeling hungry and stuff. So are they rhythms? elsewhere that I'm maybe not so aware of? 
Yeah, um, all somatic peripheral tissues have circadian rhythms, and so you will see circadian rhythms in, in uh, yeah, well, I said in your immune cells, for one, okay. that's a, very, a, a lot of interest to me, yeah, uh, yeah. in your We're muscles, in your adipose <laughs> tissue. Uh, uh, yeah, so you see all of these uh, rhythms in peripheral tissues, um, and it is the central master clock in the brain that mm. coordinates their activities, if you like, along okay. with... Um, systemic cues such as uh, feeding. Okay, cool. So how do we know that there is actually a clock and it's not just you know, things happening in the world around us that are affecting how our bodies respond to it? So if you go into constant conditions, um, by that I mean you know, you've got no external timing cues at all, so you're at a constant temperature, um, you, are, uh, you can't see any light, um, and you know, you've just got you know, access to food and water mm-hmm. all the time, um, you uh, still have circadian rhythms in behavior and also in cells Um, and it was actually so it was this uh, kind of explorer Jean-Michel Seifer who actually first showed endogenous internal timekeeping mechanisms in humans so a circadian clock in humans and he did this by uh, uh, going underground for uh, for several weeks and uh, recording his body temperature um, and his skin temperature and uh, calling up to his support team on the surface before he went to bed and when he woke up and he ended up you could see that he still had circadian rhythms without any external timing cues that's very cool um so slightly mad but very cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) you have to be to do science a bit don't you so you know yeah i'm not sure i'm gonna go that far (laughs) locked on in the uh on the electron microscope in the dark for days at a time before so I spent um, most of my PhD in a confocal room, actually. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. You know, it does not since you any natural okay. light. Yeah. And did you uh, map your skin temperature while you were doing that? I did not. I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. um, so you're looking at how these the internal clock is interacting with our ability to be infected by viruses, which seems like a very complicated topic. How did you sort of start looking at how these things interact? So initially... Um, I just looked in cells. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially it was just you, uh, you take a dish with some cells in it um, and uh, you uh, synchronise the circadian clocks both by temperature cycles mm-hmm. and then I uh, infected them at different times of the day yeah. <laughs> and night um, and then I looked to see what was happening to the replication of the virus mm-hmm. in the cells and uh, yeah I saw this kind of quite a large difference and I was like oh wow this really this really makes a difference so then I went on to look in mice where I infected them at different times mm-hmm. and then had a look at the overall um, pathology of the virus so again using a natural infection system so a mouse virus in a mouse to make sure that we were looking at an actual kind of host pathogen interaction mm. um, yeah and then what the other thing that you can do is to use um, genetic mutants um, where you've uh, knocked out um, various uh, critical components of the the, 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 the molecular clock um, and so um, for example one of these components is BMAL1 and if you knock that out the mouse is behaviorally arrhythmic under constant conditions and so and also the cells show no avert uh, circadian rhythms either and so you can infect those and then see what happens uh, <laughs> so yeah and it, it appears that that effect is going to be virus specific. So for all of the viruses I tested, like herpes virus and flu, and I think um, RSV, um, the uh, infection in these cells is in the when you knock out BMAL1 and these arrhythmic cells is enhanced. Um, 
whereas it appears from some recent publications with hepatitis C that the infection in those cells is decreased. So um, depending on how those clock components are affecting um, are affecting you know critical things, cellular things that are critical for the virus, like receptors yeah. <laughs> and metabolism. <laughs> so is there like a specific time of day that all of the viruses were better out? Or was that again entirely dependent on the virus and the cells you were looking at? Um, so actually, so uh, I've only actually looked over a full time course, so it's a full you know seventy two hours mm-hmm. um, with with the mouse herpes virus. Okay. Um, so I've, it's a lot, obviously a lot. Uh, easier just to look in the mutants so yeah we need to look mm-hmm. over different times of day with lots of different viruses okay. and see but um, you can imagine that quite a lot of the conventional tools that you have to look at viral replication in cells mm-hmm. like plaque assays and sampling and all of that kind of stuff if you're infecting every a different cell population every three hours over 72 hours mm-hmm. and then you're having to sample every two hours until yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it gets completely unwieldy basically yeah, guess, you, yeah, you, yeah. Need, you need an army of you know <laughs> 20 people and about 16 yeah. incubators to do this so um, this is why I'm really keen on the development of, of reporter tools reporter viruses mm-hmm. make this uh, feasible okay. um, yeah so reporting how uh, reporting so it can be uh, reporting using bioluminescence um, Firefly luciferase, for example, it's a very useful reporting tool. Um, or fluorescence, actually. So any of the fluorescence reporters. You can get some cool um, videos, like where you see the, the cells kind of blinking on and off. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. And you, should, you can be able to see if there's a, an effect of, of circadian time on, on as the virus spreads out from a single cell as well. So okay, that's yeah, a, that's yeah. another really cool idea that would be useful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so using. Um, as the as better and more stable reporters become available for more and more viruses, this will become easier and easier to look at, basically. So there seems to be a lot of broad implications you could make from your work as to how um, viruses infecting humans at certain times could have an implication on their outcome or shift workers or things like that. Would you care to comment on um, that aspect? Sure, yeah, so uh, definitely with the with the shift work um, so uh, what we see is that so we see an enhancement of infection in BMAL knockout cells um, and uh, in experimental models of shift work the kind of baseline levels of BMAL1 expression, this clock gene expression, are actually lower and similarly uh, the mRNA level in humans BMAL is lower um, in the winter. So this may be a, a factor that affects susceptibility. I mean, we, in our experimental systems, often we dose mice with an awful lot of virus in order to ensure that we get an infection. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we're maybe just going to be exposed to, you know, a, f- a few, you know, 20 virus particles maybe yeah. that we inhale. And if you um, are, if you inhale those particles at a time when the cells, the mucosal cells are, uh, at a less conducive stage for replication, the infection may just never take off, mm. um, or it may just be very limited, and so you may actually get a subclinical infection. We don't know. Um, so uh, yeah, this, that's one implication. But in shift work, it would appear that they, the, the, the um, and so we need to test this in in mouse models of shift work, and uh, see whether or not infection is more severe. Um, depending on whether it's acute, so like jet lag, or whether these mice have been on shifts for you know an extended period of time and then see what happens when we infect them. And that is certainly one of the next things we're, we're going to do. 
Yeah, I guess in sort of a similar vein, uh, you read a lot of articles and I know about how like artificial light, people, like later night things, people mm. sort of mess up circadian rhythms like a little bit, but maybe not quite as dramatically as you'd see for the shift workers. So do you imagine that would have any kind of impact or is that uh, probably too small to see anything? I mean, potentially, you've also got social jet lag. So yes. where people at the weekends, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm terrible with this. I'm always like lasting at night checking my phone. I'm, I'm the absolute worst, even yeah. though it's on, you know, n- you know, no blue light mode or whatever. Yeah. It is. Um, but uh, but yeah, whether or not our yeah, 24 hour lifestyles will have an effect and, and whether our, our um, sleeping patterns and our sleep architecture will have an effect on, on infection Mm-hmm. severity and susceptibility is another question that remains unanswered um, but, uh, but I, I, would, I would expect the effects to be less dramatic mm-hmm. um, but I, I definitely think that obviously if you, if you have uh, jet lag you could have an acute effect there mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't help that that's often when you've just been on a plane where you yeah, may yeah, be exposed yeah. to uh, you know re-inhaling uh, a lot more uh, you know yeah. Uh, a lot more pathogens or at least be in you know more of a confined space so it's possible that there's a synergistic effect there um, and we should act to minimize the effects of jet lag and also minimize the effects of shift work and there's uh, a lot of uh, very good research um, by uh, lots of different uh, human circadian labs looking at how to minimize the effects of shift work different strategies to do that yeah, so I guess you sort of touched on the problem there a bit. Like, it's really hard to tease apart circadian rhythms from all these other things that are going on during the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if you're working at night, presumably there's not many school kids around. That yeah, sort of thing. yeah, so yeah, is, yeah. Is it possible to work out whether, like, infections are due to circadian rhythms or are you always going to have a, some uncertainty? Um, well, I think, I think like, like anything in the real world, it will be a combination of factors mm-hmm. and this will be one increased risk yeah. factor. Um, I don't think it helps that a lot of people who do work shifts are in medical professions where you might be exposed uh, yeah. to you know you, you know you're gonna have, you'd have to choose your cohort very carefully but this is why we do it in experimental systems this is why you you mm-hmm. you use a mouse system to at least sh- show proof of principle that mm-hmm. this that this you are you, you're right the whole idea of these experiments is to, to tease those effects apart so mm-hmm. to tease apart the effect of the um, circadian rhythm of the host cell that the virus actually infects to tease apart the effect um, mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, circadian rhythms in the immune system and then more broadly to kind of tease apart yeah. the effects of the of 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 the of the circadian rhythm from all the other kind of environmental factors that are that yeah. are ongoing yeah. Cool. yeah i like the idea of uh, timing doctors so that they're uninfectable at the time when they're patients <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah just get them on a different schedule yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i guess probably just from an evolutionary standpoint it's never a good idea to be more infectable so is there any suggestion that this kind of the interaction between the circadian clock and viruses is under any kind of evolutionary pressure or is it just kind of a side effect of other things going on? Um, I think the evolutionary advantage to having rhythms in your immune system hmm. um, is predominantly to do with um, preventing uncom- uncontrolled immune responses, mm-hmm. I would imagine. I'd say that that's the primary advantage. So when you, when you uh, experimentally um, ablate circadian rhythms, mm-hmm. um, either genetically, uh, generally genetically, but you, what you see is that um, the animal tends to be pro-inflammatory. Um, so you instead, so normally you'd have like a, I said, a beautiful kind of sine wave oscillation mm-hmm. um, in your uh, in inflammatory response, mm-hmm. um, and you just you lose the the kind of trough of that. Everything goes high. Okay. Um, so I guess that there is advantage in um, timing different aspects of your immune system to be most active at different times. So there is a kind of um, gate 
to uh, you know the, the for, for for you can't just have un it's it's a limited positive feedback loop basically okay. potentially okay so it's maybe just like easier to control if it's drifting up and down than if you're trying to hold it at one level at all times so yeah yeah so if you so say you so if you um say you, you have a response but then in order for that response to keep on getting bigger mm -hmm there is a, um, a fact that you need and that isn't expressed at that particular time, mm -hmm. then that blocks it or limits it slightly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's acting as a break, basically. Th that, that is one theory as to, mm -hmm. as to the potential evolutionary advantage of having circadian rhythms yeah. in your immune system. Um, from the point of view of the virus, um, there is a potentially a, an evolutionary advantage to being able to um, change your uh, replication cycle kinetics based on the time at which you infect cells so the availability of of of, of uh, host cell factors mm -hmm. um, so that then when when the new virus emerges it could emerge at potentially a different time or an okay. advantageous time um, so there is uh, there may be well be some coordination I mean nobody really asked about why why does the why does this virus rep apart from viruses that are replicating as quickly as possible because they just mm -hmm. want to you know hit and run yeah. um you know why do some viruses take so long to replicate is there an advantage there to having a longer replication okay. cycle kinetically you know the in and it could yeah. be to do with interaction of the host certainly that's with with malaria you see that the um the malarial cycle um in a in mam in mammalian host it always takes place in multiples of 24. So it's either 24, 48, or 72. Yeah. Um, so it appears, there appears to be some coordination there. So um, similarly with viruses, they, they may have a bit of flexibility in how long they take to replicate um, to enable them to coordinate best with their host. That's very cool, actually, yeah. Maybe. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. having it all of it. This is an idea. Um, yeah. We do not yet know. Uh, like the wild and it's quite hard to prove, or it's quite hard yeah. to test, but we're trying. <laughs> okay. um, so I guess we know lots of viruses will target things like the cell cycle to create conditions that are more favourable to them. So do you see the same thing with circadian rhythms? Do viruses target circadian rhythms to make conditions more favourable? So... This is something that, again, is it, we're kind of actively investigating in my lab. Um, so I know that we see that with um, two different herpes viruses from two different families, alpha and gamma, um, we see that they um, seem to induce expression of BMAL1, this kind of key clock gene. And they do that at all circadian times. So it doesn't matter when you infect the cells, they still get an induction. The consequences for the downstream rhythm uh, are different. Sometimes um, this induction synergizes with the natural circadian rhythm in BMR and your rhythms continue and the cells, uh, the virus takes longer to replicate at these times and, and you get less virus out. Sometimes it kind of messes up the rhythm. Uh, you get an ectopic peak. Um, and it seems that, that, that it's the viral transcriptional transactivators that are driving this. So it can happen outside the context of infection when you just express the viral protein. Mm -hmm. um, so we think that this is virally driven. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's one example of where you may have, have, have specific targeting um, mm -hmm. uh, of the host cell clock by a viral protein. <laughs> okay. um, the same thing doesn't happen with flu. That's another one that I looked at. Mm -hmm. But what you do see is a general... Um, kind of decrease in the repressive protein, some of the more repressive clot proteins. And this has actually been observed for a few different viruses, so hepatitis C and, and, and flu um, and the herpes viruses that I mentioned. Um, so this might be a more general feature of response to the virus. That it might, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, slightly change the phase um, of the okay. circadian rhythm. 
Yeah, so that almost might be more of a an antiviral yes. state rather than it, a pro-viral. It, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that, that may be just a consequence of uh, the mm. cell intrinsic innate immune response okay. to infection. Um, yeah, Complicated but it, this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a few things going on here and everything's yeah. oscillating at the same time. So, uh, so yeah, so... But there's no reason why viruses couldn't wouldn't necessarily target the clock. I think it's a very good target because you could switch by just targeting the clock. You could switch the whole of the cellular system, mm-hmm. and then also from that one infected cell. I mean, this is the great thing about rhythms; they like to synchronize. So you yeah. could then affect the um, circadian rhythms in the neighbouring cells to which you want to spread if you're a virus. So there are lots of different possibilities. Oh, cool. So do you think? the clock proteins and things like that could be a, uh, a target for antiviral compounds at some long future <laughs> time. Um, is it, I think, I think the, I think the um, detrimental effects would out on your rhythms yeah. would outweigh any kind <laughs> of, any kind of antiviral effect. I don't think yeah. the effect, the effect would, wouldn't, it wouldn't, absolutely abrogate replication what i would say is that if you know at a particular circadian time in if any cells that get infected at the circadian time will produce a lot of virus and then 12 hours later cells will not be producing a lot of virus and um, then what you could do at the moment um, for example with herpes virus with a cyclovir treatment you're given um something like you know prophylactically you know 400 milligrams five times a day or something it's a really heavy dose and you have to take a lot of it to get this um this this uh to to get efficacy so instead you could just maybe take a a a dose um one single dose at the time when any cells that are infected at that time are going to be producing a lot of virus Mm -hmm. and then that might be just as efficacious so things like that's called chronotherapy so using the drugs we have um at the best possible time for efficacy so that is something that i'd quite like to try (laughs) again in the mouse model at least initially um to see if you can you can improve efficacy reduce the dose and also then you're going to improve compliance because people aren't having to take lots of pills all the time they could just maybe reduce reduce that to a few times a day and hope that that time of day isn't at 3 a.m in the morning (laughs) that is again the caveat for that but um yeah and yeah, in a similar vein, would um, delivering vaccines at certain times of the day maybe affect their efficacy as well? Yeah, so there's there's some indication that this uh, is the case. There was um, a report in 2016 um, from research at the University of Birmingham that was uh, had looked at the inactivated flu vaccine and that it was more efficacious when given in the morning compared to the afternoon. Um, at that point, you're looking at uh, the effect of rhythms in the immune system mm-hmm. uh, because it's an activated vaccine so it's it's not having to replicate or anything. What I think will be really interesting is with the live attenuated vaccines that we have because they have to enter the cell, then replicate and there will be time, times that that is bet- better than others. Um, and then you will also have um, rhythms in the immune system uh, again that you have to feed into this so so ensuring that they get in and replicate in a timely fashion so that they will have maximum uh, kind of exposure to the immune system will generate the greatest response um, I think timing could be a real factor there um, but it's going to need to be worked out carefully for each vaccine I said it will be easier to potentially to come up with timing strategies for inactivated vaccines at least initially because it, we're just going to have to look at the immune response rhythms with those rather than the also then also considering the cellular rhythms 
Um, so just because it's starting to run a little out of time, and this is a very cool idea from your talk I wanted to touch on. Um, okay. This idea about um, sleep being in some way antiviral. Can you maybe talk on that a little? <laughs> <laughs> so there is so little, um, there is so little studied about viral infection and in sleep. Um, but there is this um, kind of idea that sleep may have evolved because it can protect us from parasites or that sleep um, supports the immune system. Um, but this hasn't actually ever been experimentally tested. Um, so what we need to know is that, that any, any changes in sleep that um, happen during infection, um, are they just a consequence of the activated immune response and feeling a bit grotty? Or um, is it an adaptive response? Do you, for example, sleep more and that actually age your recovery um, we, and we don't actually know this so we yeah we need we what we need to do is experimentally infect people and then mess with their sleep either before or after <laughs> and and have a look at the outcome um, and these again are, are very large and difficult studies to run but it's really worth pursuing because you know w what is the advice that you give people at the moment um, you know who knows <laughs> so, so yeah so we made we've made a, we've made a start on this yeah and I was just wondering, after a long day of studying how important sleep is in the cell cycles, <laughs> do you find yourself having trouble sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I certainly do. Actually, less so, less so these days. So um, this is one of the benefits of kind of getting your own research group together is that you've got more people and it's not just you having yeah. to do these, you know, really intensive, very, you know, 72-hour experiments uh, by yourself. Yeah. Uh, so my circadian rhythms are a lot better than they used to be. <laughs> I might, yeah, my partner would agree with that. But, uh, yeah, I used to be absolutely terrible. I used to just basically work overnight. I was... I think, you, but, but as as you get older, you get earlier, so your chronotype gets earlier. Actually, okay. so uh, that's why teenagers aren't just lazy; they they actually <laughs> they they do have a later chronotype. They are owls. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I always just get in so much trouble. Um, so yeah, so I'm slightly better, but yeah, that is the irony of doing circadian rhythms research: is that often you mess up your own circadian rhythms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Just the very last question is: um, if you uh, weren't a scientist, what would you be instead? Which I've been told you've been prepped on. So I got warned. I got warned, but the, actually, the answer would be the same. So I always wanted to be a Harrier pilot, oh, cool. and. Okay. Uh, but my neither my eyesight nor my hearing was good enough. <laughs> fine for science. Yeah. You can mess around with viruses if you can't hear or can't see anything. That's absolutely fine. Um, so, but I, but yeah. So I, I, I was unable to do that. But then they retired the Harriers. So actually, oh. I would have been un, unemployed at the age of thirty-three or something. So actually. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I made the right choice there. So yeah, um, but yeah, I, 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 I big love for for fast jets. Okay. <laughs> that's definitely the coolest answer I think we've gotten here. So really? I thought a lot of people say astronaut. You know, that's, that's the right answer, and no one said it yet. Oh no! Something <laughs> like woodwork or music. I've got close. I've got close. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, thanks very much for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Cool. <laughs>